Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. It is day two of Holy Week, so we're doing our second Bible study. Yesterday was the first uh, first Bible study, first day of Holy Week. Actually, it was the second because Palm Sunday was the first first day of Holy Week. But yesterday was uh, Monday. We studied the triumphant entry of Jesus. Today we are talking about the Last Supper and conversation with Judas and seeing what Matthew 26 has to tell us. So uh, last time we talked about Matthew 21, now we're in Matthew 26, which means there's like four chapters in between. So I uh, encourage you to read those on your own time. And if you have questions about those, send them to me or your pastor or whoever else you go to for theological conversation. So there we go. Today, Matthew 26, and we're talking about the Last Supper. We're talking about Judas. We're talking about some other things. So, um, all right, Matthew 26, verses 17 through 19. I don't know if you heard that in the background. Amazon just delivered to our house, so there we go. Um, okay, verses 17 through 19. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. So the Passover meal, uh, if you studied the Bible or uh, you know much about religious history, uh, this goes back to Moses, right? The Exodus, the people who are in Egypt, and they say, it's time for us to go. And uh, uh, and so the, the plagues and Pharaoh saying no, and Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, Moses saying yes, and Pharaoh saying no. And so the last plague was the death of the firstborn, right? And so you put the lamb's blood over your doorpost and the angel of death would pass over and you wouldn't be killed that night. And so that's what happened. And the people of Israel, uh, the Israelites, they were set free and uh, they came to the promised land, long story. And now we get to Matthew. And so Jesus sits down with his friends um, at the Passover meal. They're having the Passover meal, which every year, uh, a couple of days ago was the, uh, the beginning of Passover. And so the Passover meal. Um, and so what's interesting, what's interesting is the Jewish day begins at sundown, not at midnight. And so uh, Jesus eats the Passover with his disciples after sundown when the Passover begins and is killed on the same day, according to Jewish calendar, right? So Jesus then is the, uh, uh, dies on Passover. Now let's, let's, okay, let's put some parallels here. The Passover, the firstborn child, firstborn son was killed, right? By the angel of death on the day, uh, because that's what Pharaoh, I mean, he called that down upon himself, right? Upon his nation. So Jesus then, the firstborn son of God, right? The only one begotten, not made, his one and only begotten son is the one who dies on the Passover, right? Not for the sins of the Egyptians, right? Uh, you know, but for the sins of the whole world. I mean, there's huge theological significance to the fact that Jesus died on Passover, right? I mean, this is this is a big deal. This, the, I mean, I, it's not something that we as Christians think about very often, unless we come from a Jewish background, unless we understand Scripture from a Jewish background. The fact that Passover was the death of the firstborn, right? Now, Jesus, the firstborn, dies on Passover. 
big deal. Big deal. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Judas for a minute. Verses 21 through 25. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, surely not I, Lord. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely not I, Rabbi. Yes, it is you. I mean, so let's... Uh, from what I said in worship this weekend, yeah, you know, Judas says, it's not going to be me. And Jesus goes, I know it's you. And sh Jesus must have said this to him quietly, right? Must have said this to him quietly, because if Jesus said this loud enough for everyone in the room to hear, if he said, uh, it's going to be someone in this room is going to betray me and it's going to be you, Judas, then all the others would have been like, yeah, no, Judas, you're not getting out of this room. What do you, what do you think? What do you think you're doing, Judas? I don't think so, Judas, right? But he must have said it quietly to him. Yeah, I know it's you. I know it's you. It's almost as if Jesus gives him like a chance to change his mind. Like, yeah, I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. Or if he says, I know what you're going to do and you got to do what you got to do. I don't know. It was just weird. You know, if you're called out on a plot like this before it happens, don't you think, oh, I can't do it anymore. Uh-oh, my secret is out there. I can't do it anymore, right? Uh, but so... I mean, it had to be, we know that the, the pain Jesus suffered, the pain Jesus suffered, physical pain you know, from the floggings and from the crucifixion, but the emotional pain, the emotional pain of having your friend betray you, somebody who had followed you, had been with you for years. Psalm 41 verse nine says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I mean, being betrayed is terrible and having someone go against you is terrible. But when it's one of your best friends, when it's somebody you've been with for a long time, ouch, it hurts. It had to hurt for Jesus. Now, theological question, big theological question. I don't know how big it is, but was Judas present when Jesus celebrated the first supper, the first Lord's Supper? So did Judas leave beforehand or did he stick around for that? I don't know. There's a couple different uh, thoughts behind that. So in the Gospel of John, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Um, and so we get this understanding that Judas may have left after the washing of the feet before the Lord's Supper, um, or that Judas uh, had his feet washed, ate dinner, and then left before the Lord's Supper. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. What's interesting about it? Uh, well, if if Judas did have the Lord's Supper. We believe that as part of the Lord's Supper, as we come to it with faith, that forgiveness of sins, uh, not necessarily that we get the forgiveness of sins as we eat it and drink it, although some might believe that, but that in that faith, the faith that calls us to the Lord's Supper is the faith that comes from the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus has died for the sins of the world, and therefore our sins are forgiven. So Jesus says it would be better for him to not have been born, but are his sins forgiven? Uh, not up to me, but an uh, interesting, interesting thing to discuss, I guess. So at least some scholars have enjoyed discussing it. Me? Eh, I don't think too much about Judas, right? I'm more concerned about Nick and the mistakes Nick makes. But uh, here we go. Okay, now the big one. Verses 26 through 28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup 
gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink it, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, couple things. Poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Is it poured out for many or poured out for all? Because first John says that, you know, he's the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. Eh. So anyway, go. that's one we can spend some time on. But uh, as part of the um, Passover meal, as part of the Passover meal, there would be a different portions of the meal where they would talk about uh, the different the different food and the different meanings of the food. And so as part of the Passover meal, they would talk about the, the, the first cup and the second cup and the third cup, and they would talk about the tears and everything that was part of that process. Okay. Um, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is explaining something new. Jesus is explaining something new. And the new thing is that Jesus is going to be the one who bears the sins. That's what he says. I have which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is saying this meal is different. This meal isn't about the Passover. This meal isn't about the escape from Egypt. This meal is about the forgiveness of sins because it's something that I'm going to do. It's a new covenant, a new promise, a new promise that I'm making between God and humanity. A new promise that says I am going to forgive your sins, that I'm not going to hold a grudge against you for the things that you've done wrong. Now, no human being, no human being has a right or the authority to make a new covenant with God. It's not our place to say, God, I want to make a deal with you. And I, and you're going to agree to it. This is going to be the new covenant. Only God can do that. Only God can say, I've got a new deal. And here's the deal, right? And, and so the deal, this new deal is I am going to do everything I need to do. I am going to do all that needs to be done so that your sins might be forgiven and so that you might have the promise of eternal life. And it doesn't have anything to do with what you're going to do. Because the old covenant, the old covenant based on the Ten Commandments was, okay, I'm going to be your God and you're going to get good things because I'm your God. But to get those good things, you have to do these 10 things or not do them, right? Uh, this is a new covenant between God and humanity that Jesus announces as part of this meal. And he says, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, now, the exact understanding of what Jesus means here has been the source of theological controversy and debate for, oh, about 2,021 years, or however long ago Jesus did it. Uh, so there's been the, Holy, the Roman Catholic Church had its understanding of what they call uh, transubstantiation, right, where the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Christ. They, it transforms into it. Uh, transubstantiation, transform, like a transformer goes from a plane to a robot or whatever they do, right? The Lutheran understanding is consubstantiation, that the presence of God, because Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, that the presence of Jesus is with the bread and with the wine, truly. Uh, con, I think uh, in the Spanish means with. Uh, so so the, the substance, uh, Jesus is there with the substance of the bread and with the substance of the wine. Uh, John Calvin taught that Jesus's presence in the bread and wine is real, but only spiritual, not physical. So Jesus is there spiritually, not physically. Okay. Um, Zwingli taught that the bread and wine are significant symbols that represent the body and blood of Christ. They are a representation. They actually do not change uh, into the bread and wine, uh, the body and blood, and that Christ is not there in a unique way, but they're symbols that represent it. 
And so then it's a meal of remembrance in the same way that the Passover meal was a time to gather and to tell the story of what God had done. And it was a meal to remember what God had done at the time of the Exodus. And so we see this, we see these four throughout Christian traditions all over America and all over the world, right? Uh, that we have a meal of remembrance, we have transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and then the Calvin thing where it's there, but not really. I mean, I think we have enough in common with them to say, okay, whatever. But so Calvin and Zwingli are at a meeting with Luther. Okay. Uh, it's at Marburg and they're going back and forth. They're, they're making their arguments. And so Luther says, um, there has to be some kind of physical presence because Jesus said, this is my body. He doesn't say this represents my body. He doesn't say this, this cup represents my blood. He said, this is it. This is my body. This is my blood. And so Luther over and over again was writing on the table, hoc est corpus meum. This is my body in Latin. Hoc est corpus meum. This is my body. To which Zwingli replied, Jesus also said, I am the vine and I am the door. But we understand what he was saying, that he was using that as an analogy to help us to understand who Jesus is. Luther replied, and we'll end with this. Are you ready for this? Luther, with one of his great theological statements, said, I don't know, and I don't know if this is true. I read this somewhere. And I tend to think it's true because it's so out there that this is probably something Luther would say. Say, but if Christ told me to eat dung, I would do it knowing that it was good for me. So I don't understand Holy Communion. Eat it knowing that it is good for you because Jesus told us to. He said, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. So do it. Eat it knowing that it's good for you. You don't necessarily have to understand it. Uh, to know that uh, the Holy Communion is good for you, the Lord's Supper is good for you. So that's where we're at with day two of the Passion Readings. We will be back tomorrow with day three and uh, continue going towards the arrest, the trial, and the crucifixion. So next time we will be in the garden uh, with Jesus, with the disciples praying, and, uh, and then we'll have the arrest and we will have the trial and the crucifixion. So Easter is coming right around the corner. Uh, thanks so much for making this part of your day. Hope this helps. If you have questions, uh, email me, nick at abidinggracedfw.org. Uh, take good care of yourselves, and we'll close with prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for your many gifts. We thank you for the Lord's Supper, uh, for the promise of the forgiveness of sins, and for eternal life. Help us to eat it with hands of faith, knowing that it is good for us, because having you with us is good for us. And we know that you're with us, uh, but in those moments, Lord, uh, help to help us to make be aware of your presence in those moments so that we can be aware of your presence in the difficult times too. Uh, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Take good care of yourselves, and we will see you tomorrow.